Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I want to thank you so much that you saw fit to have people involved in each of our lives, and they could be people who are the same age as us, could be that we've actually been impacted by someone who's younger than us, but for the most part, there have been people in our lives that have been older than us, maybe 10 years, could be 50 years, but Lord, the impact that they have made on our lives, and we can look back, whether it's mom or dad, an aunt and uncle, grandma, grandpa, or maybe even somebody from church, but just that that impact is felt not only in our, our lives, but just in what we learn from them and pass on to others. Father, I pray that as a church, we can continue the tradition of not just being cross-generational, but you would help us to actually literally cross generations in terms of our relationships and our ministry and our worship. And I pray, Father God, that we can learn from each other as we cross generations together. In Jesus' name, amen. So we uh, kicked off this series early this year where Solomon was telling his kids in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life, or said in another way, guard the very core of who you are because everything you do comes out of that. And so we've been taking a look at hope's core values, and this is something that I began to discover about two years ago when I came here, started to have conversations with you about what Hope Church has always been about. And one of those early conversations actually focused on this, that, that this church has crossed generations. Now, you can call a group of people cross-generational if you've got, you know, kids and teenagers and young adults and adults and older adults, but but there's been a tendency in our church to actually bridge the gap, cross the generations. In fact, one of those stories Steve Zimmerly had told me about that when they first got here, and you know, um, the Ostroms weren't here yet, but they had a, a spiritual grandparents adopt them and their kids, and that was Stan and Colleen. And it seems that Stan and Colleen have been at the center of a, a few of these stories because of how much they have welcomed people into their home, shown hospitality, had meals with them, and just really had a wonderful time with them. But it's been neat to hear the impact of people. In fact, you know, our Hope Kids, we've got people who are with them who are in their 20s. We've got people who are with them, and they're in their 60s and 70s. But I love this whole idea that, that you're making an impact cross-generationally. And a part of my own journey after, uh, you know, I came to faith in Christ as a teenager and I had uh, men, women who were uh, just really impactful in my, in my own life, that as I began to go through Taylor University and, and, and just weeks before I met Michelle at Taylor, um, I, I was able to fly to Gordon-Conwell Seminary and just to check it out because I was starting to wonder if maybe ministry was a direction that I was going to go in, and uh, I was a psych major there at Taylor, and I just wasn't absolutely positive about what I was going to do. But then when the Lord really uh, kind of drew me into the whole idea of what it meant to be in ministry and that He was definitely calling me into ministry, uh, He and I had this conversation. Uh, I, I knew that He was calling me to preach uh, to, to lead a church, but I, I said, Lord, I don't know that I want to use youth ministry as a stepping stone. And his, his response was, I, I don't want you to be a youth pastor. I want you to pastor the next generation. 
And so no matter what I had been involved in, whether it was uh, Young Life with, with Roger in, in Napa Valley or whether it was as a youth pastor at their church or uh, at Arise Church up in Michigan, um, one, of the, one of my joys was being able to, as a lead pastor up at Deer, uh, Dearborn Covenant Church, was being asked to speak to our fourth through sixth graders at the camp there. And I've got a picture in my wall, and it kind of pictures two things that have been really important to me. One is the next generation, and secondly, praying for the next generation. In fact, uh, the, the song that we sung, the second song that we sung, uh, where it talks about, I see a generation rising up to take their place with holy praise, selfless, <laughs> selfless faith. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I know that song really well. Um, but it's just that when, when I hear things about the next generation, there is nothing that draws me to tears more so than hearing either what God is doing in the next generation, and I get excited and I cry, because I do that. I, you know, when I'm sad, I cry, but when I'm excited, I, I can cry as well. Um, but, or when I hear the brokenness of the next generation, that can send me to tears as well. And I don't remember how early it was in ministry that the Lord led me to this passage, but I felt like it became my life's verse. Psalm 71, 18 has David saying, Lord, and you know, if you take a look at the translation, sometimes he's looking ahead to when he's going to be old and gray. In this translation, it's saying he's old and gray. Now, Lord, now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Anybody ever felt that? I mean, just, you know, don't go anywhere else, but, you know, God, don't forget about me. But it's, it's what, what's amazing to me is it's not about, God, don't forget about me and my situation. It's, God, don't, don't abandon me. Don't leave me out of something. And he's almost begging God, God, let me, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I mean, that, that, just, that was David's heart. You know, you talk about having a heart for God. He had a heart for the next generation. And we see this in many of the songs that the Israelites sung. In fact, in a little bit, we're going to go to another song written by another songwriter. It wasn't by David. I believe it was by Asaph. But this was his heart that he would proclaim God's power to this new generation. Now, just think about it for a moment. If David is old and gray, unless you're Steve Martin and you're, you know, white by the age of 20, um, that, that it's possible that he's 50s, 60s. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation. When we think of next generation, a lot of times we think hope kids. We think teenagers, right? But guess what? If you're in your 60s, the, the, the generation that's coming up after you may be in their 50s. If you're in your 50s, it could be people who are in their 30s. If you're in your 30s, it could be a teenager. Whatever it might be, all of us can make an impact, a deep impact on someone's life, no matter what generation we are in. And so um, when I was with a number of our churches in Dearborn and we were worshiping together, and I know I've shared this to you before, and it's, it's a reason why I, I really want to strive for our worship to be blended in terms of really not just not reaching the next generation, but really uh, allowing all of us to come together as all generations to worship God. There was a, a worship, a weekend worship event at um, a neighboring church where, you know, we were listening to speakers, we were worshiping together, we were praying together, and I just remember that this one 
part of the weekend where we, had, we were singing some songs. There were fairly like contemporary songs, songs that I enjoyed, songs that I, you know, had been written in maybe the past, I don't know, two, three, four years. And, you know, those were great. We were singing them. And then the team launches into this one song that I hadn't heard in a long time. The song was Revive Us Again. And I can't remember, I, I used to remember what year that this was written in. Maybe like late 1800s, early 1900s. But I almost felt like the Holy Spirit just filled the place and the roof just lifted off of the place and just the exuberance of worshiping in that song with people of all generations. And I think I probably lost it then because I got excited and, you know, I, when I get excited, I cry. And, but in that moment, I was, I just, I, for a split second, I remembered what Malachi was saying, what God was saying through the prophet Malachi. He, he's saying that, listen, I'm, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And I just felt like in that moment, because, you know, we've seen so much change in terms of how churches are structured and organized and what we do in worship and that kind of thing. And, and sadly, there have been what has actually been termed worship wars, you know, fights over what style of worship we're going to do, that kind of thing. I just sensed in that moment that as songwriters and worship leaders were bringing songs back to church that were written in the 17, 18, 1900, it's so funny that to say 1900s when, oh, 1900s, that was so long ago, yeah, 23 years ago, but, um, but just that what would happen is that as the next generation hears these songs, they're like, oh, this is a great new song. And then people who are in the older generations, they're like, oh, I haven't heard this song in forever. And as they begin to sing that together, how that would bring the generations together. I'll speak a little bit more on that as we kind of apply where we're going with this today. But we saw and we heard uh, what Wanda read earlier about our Savior's heart for the next generation. He gets a little angry when his own disciples are hindering children from coming to him. And, you know, we don't have to go into all the reasons how somebody hinders the next generation from coming to Jesus, but Jesus was indignant, the text says. And he says, let the children come to me and don't hinder them. Please don't put up any kind of roadblocks for the next generation to come and, and, and be a part of this kingdom and be a part of a relationship with me. And then he took the children in his arms and he pl placed his hands on them and he blessed them. There are so many ways in which you and I can bless the next generation. It could be the children and Hope Kids, could be teenagers and mentoring them, or it could be simply you coming alongside another family. Another family that maybe their kids are out of the house and they're trying to figure out how to make that work. And you've made that work because you're in your 70s now and you can help. <laughs> I see you, Steve. You can help uh, you know, a, a couple you know, in how they uh, kind of regain that that passion for one another. And so here we go. Psalm 78 verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to spend some time together. And this is written in a song, 
So he's not only telling his people, the, the Israelites, uh, you know, some truth here, but this is actually written in a song. This is the Psalms. And so he says, you know, and I, could, I don't know what tune it is. My people hear my teaching, you know. Anyway, uh, but, but he says this, my people hear my teaching. Let's just stop there. Are you hearing the teaching? Now, I'll fully acknowledge that my mom's favorite preacher is not me. Uh, it's Alistair Begg and it's Tony Evans. Um, but I can be number three. I'm cool with that. But are you listening to the word being taught? You know, do you have an app downloaded to your phone so that you can be in the word? You can be in a reading plan. Are you having that time with the Lord? Are you listening to what others have to say? Are you in a small group where you're learning from one another? He's just saying right out of the gate, verse one, he says, my people hear my teaching. Are you doing that? Listen to the words of my mouth. Because, you know, you, you can't have a relationship with God where you're not spending time in the Word of God. You've got to be in the Word of God. I will open my mouth with a parable. I'll utter hidden things, things from old, things we have heard and known. Why? Why have we heard these things? Why do we know these things? Well, these are things that our ancestors told us. Let's just give a definition for ancestors. My mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa, my great-grandparents. I'd love to say that I learned most of my faith from my great-grandparents and my grandparents and my parents, but it was really from those spiritual parents and grandparents at First United Methodist Church. I mean, I could, I could list you a long list of names that made an impact on my life growing up at that church. And people who were just so instrumental in terms of who I am right now, the kind of husband that I am right now, the kind of dad that I am right now. I had these people in my life who were impactful just because I was one of the first that came to Christ in my family. We, we went to church, but it was kind of like, should we go to church this morning? Eh, don't feel like it. You know, maybe you've been there, done that. You know, sometimes I've been there, done that. And Michelle goes, no, you got to go. You're the pastor. Um, but so he continues. He says, listen, you know, these are things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them. Boy, that's a good thing to do. You know, don't hide them. Kind of like Jesus. Don't hinder these kids from coming to me. Don't, don't hide this truth from anybody, really, but especially from your descendants. He says, we will tell the next generation. What are we going to tell the next generation? We're going to tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Go tell somebody what God has done for you. Is that, can, is that fairly easy? I mean, is that a, a pretty easy task, easy, easy ask? You know, just, just tell somebody what God's done. Are they praiseworthy? Can you praise God for something that he's done, either in someone's life or in your life? We're going to tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power. Where have you seen God show up? Are you waking up every morning with an expectation that God's going to show up? And I'd love to see where it happens. Could happen at Aldi. Could happen at Target. Could happen on the road. Wherever it might be. Keeping our eyes open to where God, God's power is, is showing up. And the wonders he has done, and he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel. Yes, there is a set of principles that guide our lives. 
And I want to make sure that the next generation hears this and knows this and that we're not hiding this from them. Now, it's interesting. Did God suggest that parents and grandparents tell the next generation? Let me just, let me suggest something to you. And, you know, if you want to do this, you can do that. That's not what this says. That third word up there is what? Commanded. Our, answers, our ancestors told us the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. They, they told us about how wonderful He is. They, they told us how to live our lives by these principles of, of love and, and loving God and loving our neighbor. But God commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So, Anytime, and I, I've, I, I've had a number of friends who have been involved in, in youth ministry, and I had one that was kind of heartbreaking. He was telling me that he had uh, a, some parents come, and you know, they, they were bringing their uh, teenager to youth group for the very first time, and, and in, 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 in meeting him for the first time, they said, you know, uh, we're, we're bringing them here so that you, know, uh, you can teach them, and, and maybe you can fix them. And I, you know, I get you could be the absolute most faithful parent in terms of your own relationship with God. And you may have done an incredible job of raising your own kids, but maybe your kids aren't following Jesus right now. That's not on you. If you did as God commanded that you taught your children, that you were teaching the next generation, that by your living and your teaching, because both of those are important, that you were teaching your kids, you know what? Continue to teach your kids, to go back to another one of our core values, never give up. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your grandkids. Keep praying for them. Keep sharing with them naturally. Keep just sharing with them naturally about what God has done for you. But God commanded our ancestors to teach the next generation so that the next generation would know them. And this is awesome, and this is very powerful. Even the children yet to be born that the children yet to be born, they would in turn tell their children and they would put their trust in God. That's pretty powerful when you think about the impact that your life can have. You may not even know it. It's kind of like the, the song, thank you for giving to the Lord. Talk about an old song. I'm aging myself at 52. Um, but the, the thing is, is that you know, we may never realize the impact that our life has had on someone. In fact, I heard Steve saying earlier, I play the long game. Just to even think about the fact that in that picture in my office, and it was a, it was a special night for the, for any of those any of you who have grown up going to camp, there is sometimes a call night where you're calling kids to make make a, a decision for Jesus. This wasn't call night. I got done speaking at Portage Lake. The band came up and and led us in a number. And I just came up and I said, hey, if any of you need prayer for anything, just, just come forward. And it wasn't, again, it was, the call night was going to be the next night. If you want to know Jesus and make a decision for Jesus, do it tomorrow night, not tonight. No, just kidding. I didn't say that. Um, but one by one, and almost 120 of those kids kind of came up to the stage and I, I was literally making my way backwards as they were kind of coming up and making their way around me and in front of me and, and, and down here. And 
One of those pictured is Samantha Spada. Again, this is a camp for fourth through sixth graders. I can't remember if Samantha was fourth, fifth, or sixth grade. The last wedding that we got to do was Samantha Spada and her husband, John. And we got to do pre-marriage mentoring for them. It, it, it blows my mind the people that have been involved in my own life and the impact that they've made. And it's quite possible that there was somebody because they were faithfully praying for my mom and wanting my mom to go to Sunday school, that there was something in her background that led her and dad to start going to church in the first place and then moving to to First Methodist and then the impact that those Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders had on my own life. Play the long game because the impact that your life can have, right? You know, you don't even realize the impact that your life has had on people. But that, that we would teach their children, teach our children so that the next generation would know them. They would then teach their children so that the children who are yet to be born would then teach their children for two very important reasons. One, that they would trust God. For so many of us, we've been through so much in our lives that sometimes it's very, very difficult to just simply trust God. Foundationally, trusting God with your very life, trusting God for your salvation, but then just trusting God for the day-to-day, the impact that that can make. It, you know, I, and this is a story I've seen happen over and over again, where maybe there's a young adult or a, you know, a young couple, and they get to a sticking point in, in life, and they go, my mom and dad have been living this out for as long as I've been born. They've been telling me about Jesus. They faithfully took me to church. I need to come back. That they would put their trust in God. They would not forget his deeds. How easy it is to forget what God has done for us. How easy it is for us to remember when things aren't going right. But how easy is it for us to forget what God has done? I just want to encourage you, if you've never been in the practice of writing a journal, you don't have to be a journaler, but if something awesome, even if something simple happens in your life that God has done for you, write it down so that you remember it. Because, man, I, there's so much that I'll, I'll read my journals. I'm like, oh, my word, I didn't remember God did that. Amazing. But they would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. That word keep isn't just like, I'm going to hold on to it. It means to actually live it out, to put it into practice. They would actually put God's principles into practice. And they would not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious. And the reason we saw their stubbornness and their rebelliousness in their actions was because of what was going on in their hearts and their spirits. Remember, we started this whole series about what's going on in the heart. He says, you know, this previous generation, they were stubborn, they were rebellious, because their hearts were not loyal to God and their spirits were not faithful to Him. How do we unpack this for us? Four ways, and I'm going to give you some homework with each of these. Um, but I, I want us to actually literally be in the practice of crossing generations, but cross generations when it comes to your friendships. You know, Mia, seek out somebody who, who can, you know, build into your life, who maybe they're a, a 20-something or a 30-something or whatever it might be. But seek out people that you can make friends with in different generations. Uh, when this kind of came to a head, I know that Michelle and I had 
done this because we've had people involved in our lives and, and, and we've been involved in people's lives, but I was reading a book called The 100-Year Lifestyle. And he talked about finances and he talked about health and he talked about relationships and, and he said that there are more and more people who are living into their late 80s, their 90s, and even into their hundreds because of medical advances and nutritional advances and just things that we know. And, and, uh, and he says, but if you are going to be blessed and if you're going to live your life into your 90s and 100s, there are some things that you need to be thinking about. Are you going to have money <laughs> into your 90s, you know? Uh, are, are, are you, are you going to have, wh what's your health like? Are you taking care of yourself now at the age of 30, 40, 50, so that when you're in your 80s and 90s, you can still be doing yard work like Stan is, you know? Um, but one of, the, one of the big truths that came out of that is he said, if you're blessed to live into your 80s, 90s, 100s, and you only have friends in their 80s, 90s, and 100s, guess what happens down the road? You start to feel some loneliness because a lot of your friends have passed away. But if you've gotten in the habit of developing relationships with people, if you are in your 70s and 80s and you're actually having a couple over spend some time with connecting with them who are in their 50s, 52, um, not dropping any hints. That's not your homework assignment to have the pastor and his wife over. Um, but, but have somebody over. Connect with somebody. Start building friend, actually building friendships with people from different generations. The, these next three you're probably going to recognize because we talk about it a lot in the past three years. We, we organize around this, that when we gather together on a Sunday morning, that we gather to experience the love of God, that we would partner together. And that's not just our small groups. It's just, I've just encouraged you, yeah, get in a small group if that's, if that's something that you love. But for some of us, we, we just like to get together with one other person or maybe two other people. And we just, we want to have you feel that kind of a freedom. You don't have to get into a small group, but can you get into a partnership? So we gather to experience the love of God, we partner to develop faith in God, we scatter to inspire hope in God. But there are, there, these are three ways that we can do this cross-generationally as well. And this, is, this goes back to, you know, just continuing to work with our, our team in terms of how we craft a worship experience for all of us to be able to gather to experience the love of God, that we can all hear that. Homework assignment for each of you is to think about songs that maybe you haven't heard in a while. Send them into hopeoffice at gmail.com. Some of you are going to like, okay, I'm going to steal a hymnal, you know, and grab that and, and do that. But he, he, so I, 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 want, I want you to think about songs that have been impactful to you in your life. But then as we're going over the next month or two, also be thinking about, ah, oh, that's a great song. Maybe you're listening to K-Love or maybe you're listening to Air One or maybe you've got a, you know, some kind of streaming service and you're listening to worship and maybe you know it's a, a newer song, but we've never done it before. Maybe you as a 70-year-old, you hear a song and you go, oh, I remember Don was saying this a few months ago. We started a, we, we were doing a brand new song and, and he loved that song. And yet there are also songs that, you know, especially when he's preaching and that, you know, he suggests that we do something from, you know, covenant hymnal, that kind of thing. But if you are a teenager, a young adult, be thinking about how it can impact the life of someone who's in their 70s and 80s and go, you know what? I haven't heard Great is Thy Faithfulness in a while. I haven't heard Holy, Holy, Holy in a while. So think about that. As we gather together, how can we cross generations together? As we partner together, 
how can we actually cross generations? I love what's been happening in our small groups, that our small groups aren't just divided as, okay, the young adults are here, the uh, 50-somethings are over here, the older group is over here. You know, we've got small groups that have people in, in different ages, and we're all learning from each other. And the first time that I actually got to experience that is when um, I was putting together small groups at our church back in Michigan that I, my, my responsibility was young adults. And so we're putting together these, these young adult small groups, and one started, and then multiple ones multiplied out of that one. And it was fascinating because we were starting a, a young adult small group, but there was a young married couple that wanted to host it. And the young singles in this small group didn't feel like they needed to be in a singles small group. And the young couple didn't feel like they needed to be in a young couple's small group. But they were all learning from each other, and it was really awesome. And then even just because our daughter Becca, our youngest daughter Becca, she's uh, kind of an old soul, she would rather go with us to our young adult small group when she was in her junior year and senior year at, at, uh, in high school, then go to youth group. And so she enjoyed it. She was in a small group and welcomed into the small group as an 18-year-old where you've got a young married couple close to 30. You've got young singles in there, but they were all learning from each other. Listen, as we partner to develop faith in God, do that cross-generationally as well. And as we scatter to inspire hope, I feel like this is a year, especially as, as Don is kind of getting his grips around what we do to inspire hope from around the corner to around the world, that there could be some local projects that we do together, but that maybe there's even some not so local. I'm not saying loco. Loco could be crazy. I'm saying not so local, um, but that we could even go to Covenant Mission Camp. Um, that the childs have been involved in as well. They've been talking with Don about that, about doing some things to help that camp out. Uh, but just a variety of things that we can do together. But, you know, I, I, I spoke to you about this last week, about the people that made an impact on my life. They made an impact on my life, most of them did, as a result of going on youth mission trips into the, okay, Andrew, help me, Appala Appalachian? Okay, he told me that I pronounced it wrong. It's not Appalachians, it's the Appalachians. Um, and so, but we would go to, you know, a a Appalachian Service Project, ASP. But, you know, I had these guys, I, I know how to do an outlet without shocking myself because of these guys as we were fixing homes, rebuilding lives together. And though it was built as a youth trip, you had teenagers, you had 20-somethings, you had 50-somethings, you had 70-somethings, all working together to make a difference. As we scatter to inspire hope, it's my desire that we would continue to cross generations and do this together. Father, I pray that what has continued in this church, and, and with, these are core values, so these are some, some of the ways in which hope has been living out our faith together as a faith family, that I pray would only continue, that more and more our, our friendships, we could cross generations, that as we gather to experience your love for us, that we are crossing generations, that as there are partnerships being developed, people discipling other people and, and encouraging and supporting and challenging each other, that this could happen 
across generations, and that as we continue to inspire hope around Indianapolis or Nicaragua, I pray, Father God, that we can do that to cross generations so that the next generation would be able to fully put their trust in you and never, ever forget you. In Jesus' name, amen.